you will bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now at the appointed time, and we just ask that you speak directly to our hearts, our minds, our souls, and uh, let us hear and receive the message that you have prepared for us today in the appropriate way, and we give it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue our uh, sermon series on turning the page, and uh, this morning I'm going to be out of Matthew 11. And um, I'm going to be, uh, I, I really, uh, just to be honest with you, I really struggled with this sermon this morning, the, the, throughout the week, and I kind of struggled with the exact word that I wanted to uh, kind of attack or, or to speak to, and um, kind of address like the, the attitude that, it, it, that exists in our in our world today, and um, I know we've, uh, we're coming out of not having things normal, and, and you know, we, we now, we address this in deacons meetings, we make it really easy not to come to church now, you know, you can give online, you can watch online, you know, and you can do it from the comfort of your own home in the comfort of your pajamas, I get all that, okay, and, uh, and I understand summertime is is uh, it's rough. It's rough on a pastor's confidence, <laughs> okay? And attendance goes down. I understand that. People have boats, and they got vacation time, and baseball, and, and soccer, or whatever your kids are into. I get it. I'm there with you, all right? So I, I understand all of it, but there's a, but there is a over, like a, like a, an attitude that I feel like has always existed, and sometimes it comes on stronger in different time periods. And I think that this is one that is uh, kind of plaguing not only our society, but kind of our, our, our churches. And it's seeping into our attitudes and uh, it's seeping into our uh, relationships, into our marriages, into our houses. And, of course, it's seeping into our churches. So um, the one I'm going to start with is indifference. And, um, you know, this, is, this has been an issue as far back as you can, you can research words. Indifference is uh, it's a lack of interest. You show no sympathy or enthusiasm or even a concern. It's just, you know, you, you just don't have a care about it. And, um, you know, you just don't get excited. You don't get down. It just, it just doesn't affect you in any kind of way. And then there's apathy. And this is more of uh, indifference in action. And uh, you, you lack like emotion and you lack an interest. And there is like an inactivity that comes over you because of maybe the indifference you have towards the subject. So I think it starts out where you don't have you know, you have strong feelings one way or the other, and then because of that, and because life gets so busy, and there are so many other things that we do have interest in, and, and I understand that things are time-sensitive nowadays, and anybody, how long has it been since someone had a day where there was not an emergency? Like, anymore, it's like every, every phone call is an emergency. Anybody old enough to remember a beeper? Yeah, you remember when you got the the 
number, and then after the number, it said 911, like, call me now. And then once you called that person, they figured out you would call when they put 911, then every time they sent you a, what was it called, a beep? I don't know. They put 911, all right? So um, I understand everything's time sensitive and all that, but um, indifference can lead to inactivity. And then there's another word that kind of kept coming up, and um, impassivity. And this is just almost like the numbing of the body. And there's no, there's no emotion. Uh, there's, I mean, there's after the results, and, and we see the results of our inactivity. We receive, you know, we see what happens to things that we are starting not to care about or have no emotion about. Then it's almost like it doesn't affect us. And uh, in, 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 in a family and in a church, anytime this kind of attitude starts to seep in, you know, it can be contagious and um, it can be detrimental. You know, be detrimental to our uh, marriages, it can be detrimental to our relationship with our kids, how we're raising kids. It can be detrimental to the church. And, uh, um, you know, once the, the, the devil's smart, you know, he just gets us busy enough and comfortable enough to where we got other things going on, and then the stuff, the ministries, you know, and all that, that we should be involved in and that we should be pushing for and, and, and working in and praying for, that kind of can fall to the wayside a little bit, all right? So um, if you think about, I, w- I just want you to be honest with yourself this morning. Okay, I told you last week that um, I, I have been praying about... Uh, collection of sermons that, um, you know, that kind of bother you and, um, you know, I guess step on your toes or whatever. And, and I'm preaching to myself here too. All right. And I realized that coming out of the, out of the quarantine and not being here and, and getting back, trying to get back to normal. Sometimes it's, it's tough and, and we don't really know what the next step is. And, um, so just have an honest conversation with yourself this morning like, where, where are you truly, okay, as, are you showing signs of indifference, you know, are you having a little apathy, you know, are you not showing so much emotion, and, and um, is your, is there a lack of caring, all right, so, so just, just ask yourself these questions, be honest with yourself, all right, what's, what's Jesus's, what's his point of view about this, well, he takes a real strong point of view about being lukewarm, all right? And, back, and, and this was written back in the biblical days when, um, you know, they, they transported water and it would go through these, this guttering system and they would move water into the cities and it was a, really, a, a, you know, just a very high-tech, intelligent way to move water. The only problem was when it got there, it was warm. And, uh, you know, there's nothing better than um, getting done mowing the yard or, or and weed eating and you're sweating and, and you're and just getting some lukewarm water, boy, doesn't that, isn't that just great? Make you sick to your stomach, right? Okay, and then, so, um, this, is, this is his thoughts and this is his judgment on lukewarm, being lukewarm, spiritually he's talking about here now. I know your works, okay? And there, there we're talking about, now listen, I'm not preaching a workspace theology here, but James is clear that if you're not producing fruit, if there's not 
works that are being driven by your passion and by your love for Jesus and by your love for your fellow man, then there's an issue there, okay? So he's looking, and he's looking at our works. He says that due to your works and to the quality of your work, you are neither cold nor hot. So you're not someone who is, you know, just completely freezing. You're not someone who's hot. And it says, I wish that you would be cold or hot. And, but because you're not, I'm going to call you lukewarm. And because you're neither cold nor, nor hot, you're lukewarm, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. And that is from, straight from Revelation. That's a letter written to the church of Laodicea. And this is Jesus' judgment. This is his judgment on being lukewarm. And this is his thoughts on being lukewarm. So this should be an eye-opener. Okay, that, um, you know, being lukewarm is actually, in his words here, worse than just being ice cold. And that's spiritually speaking. All right. So let's dig in a little bit deeper on Jesus's words. Um, this, is a, this is a very unique chapter, Matthew 11. There's some unique verbiage used here, and uh, it addresses several situations here. I want to give you a little bit of historical context of what's happening um, John the Baptist has been arrested. He's been arrested by Herod. And he, Herod, John the Baptist has condemned Herod for divorcing his wife. And then he's got a brother named Philip who had a wife named Herodias that he wanted to be his wife, so he took his brother's wife. So he's living with his brother's wife. John the Baptist condemns him. They put him in jail. All right, So he's been in jail. And depending on what... Bible scholar you study or, or, or what, you know, the math that you use. At this point, he's probably been in there about a year. So it's, and it's not like going away today, which is bad enough. But, you know, it's, this, these are not good conditions. And uh, he has been in the prison for a year. And in his mind, Jesus has continued this, this uh, ministry of love, of healing, and he has not, you know, taken over. There's no earthly kingdom being set up. And uh, you can imagine the thoughts and the thought process that's going on with John the Baptist as he is rotting away in this prison. And the time is starting to build up. And you can imagine, you can imagine even the strongest would have their moments here. And it says, and when John had heard in, in prison about the works of Christ, and this is that he has continued to... Uh, you know, preach love and to, and to heal people and, and, and do things. Maybe not the kind of way that John the Baptist thought he would take over things and, and he'd get freed and, and it's just not a very aggressive kind of ministry that maybe he was thinking Jesus would turn to. And he say, says that thinking on this and being in prison that time, it says he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. And this is the, the question that he asked. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? All right, so this a lot of times gets translated. This a lot of times gets preached that John the Baptist had doubts, and he was questioning, you know. I don't know what he was in his mind. I do know what he was, his situation, okay? And uh, I know that for us who are sitting, you know, in a very comfortable place, in a comfortable chair with the temperatures, pretty nice, 
you know, it's easy for us to look and judge and say he had a moment of doubt there. He didn't think maybe his, uh, um, that Jesus Christ was the Savior. And maybe, you know, he had spent his life in vain and now he was in prison and maybe he had wasted it all. All right. But here's, here's what I want you to understand is that there is a big difference here about having a down moment, having a down moment in your spiritual life and then having an attitude of indifference, having no action in your life. Okay. These are two separate worlds. And it's very unique that Jesus addresses both of these issues in this same situation here. So you have, you have John the Baptist who's coming and sending his disciples to ask Jesus Christ, you know, are you the one? Are you the one? You know, I, 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 just, need you to, I just need you to say it. I just, you know, I just kind of, I've gone this far and I'm going to do it all. I just need you, you know. It's kind of, you know, what's, the, what's our chances here? One in a million. So you're saying there's a chance. You know, it's like one of these moments here, okay? So um, this, is, this is what he asked of Jesus, and it's unique how Jesus turns the tables here, how Jesus addresses the issue, because uh, what could be misinterpreted here is that John the Baptist had turned his back, had not believed anymore, and it's very unique how Jesus addresses this issue, and then how he moves on to the issue of indifference and the issue of apathy, okay? So watch what happens here as we move on. Verse 4, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Okay, give him the evidence. Tell him the evidence of what is happening here and that you have seen the blind, you know, they begin to see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have been preached the gospel, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So here we have Jesus Christ answering, and his message is, John, I don't have to tell you what you already know in your heart and soul. Okay, so there is a distinguishing answer given here, and the answer is not to castigate, not to downgrade John the Baptist, and to say, how, you know, how could you have a moment of doubt? You of all people, how could you? That's not at all what is happening here, and it's very unique how Jesus addresses John the Baptist in this situation, and he basically says, you know the evidence, you know what is happening, just go and tell him, you already know. He's just having a spiritual down moment here. And that is a total different situation than when you start to have apathy and indifference coming into your life. And it says that as they departed, Jesus began to go to the multitudes and he began to speak to them concerning John the Baptist. And they asked him, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Something natural, like a reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments, somebody who was different, somebody who stood out, you know, who, who wasn't dressed for the elements or whatever? Or uh, did you go out, indeed, um, what did you go out to see? A prophet? And the answer to that is, yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. 
All right, so now we're going to get like a, uh, like a lesson here um, about where, where we are as a people, okay, and what, what kind of um, placement that we have been placed in history. And it talks about, it says, uh, for this is whom it is written, of him who is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face. John the Baptist was the, the shouting messenger telling everyone that the Savior was coming. And they needed to understand that they were sinful and they needed a Savior. And their outward sign and their cry for a Savior was to be baptized. And John baptized people, preparing them for the Savior. And everything that John the Baptist did in his life was to prepare the world and to shout out that the King is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. And then what is absolutely amazing about John's work is that when Jesus Christ comes up on the scene, he does not compete with Jesus Christ. He does not worry about his standing, but he understands his placement. He understands his role and his mission. And you see him back away and allow Jesus Christ to take the forefront. All right. And that is kind of a that's a whole nother sermon that we could get into there is that sometimes even the strongest, we can still push our will and make our life about us instead of allowing Jesus Christ to come forward and being the guiding light and the shining light in our lives. Okay? But that was not a problem for John. It says, You will prepare your way before you. Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So let's talk about what's being said here, okay? And what is being said here is that we had prophets in the Old Testament. And these prophets in the Old Testament were given messages. And they were given words to tell to the people. And they had to speak of a Savior to come. They had to speak of prophesy of things to come and years and generations to come, all right? And then you had John the Baptist who experienced Jesus Christ firsthand. But he actually died before Jesus Christ gave his life at Calvary. And then we have us who have been born after Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary, and we are children of the covenant of grace, and so when we start to look at our placement throughout history, we think about guys whose lives are being threatened and whose, uh, you know, their families are being threatened and, and everything that was placed on these prophets. And it was all about messages they received of things to come down the road in history. And then you had John the Baptist who was there. And he did not get to see in his lifetime the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. The very path that he laid out, he did not get to see Jesus Christ complete that path in his lifetime. But yet, they still lived very faithful lives dedicated to what they were called to do. And now we, thousands of years later, we tend to sit in judgment of people who lived through some tougher times. And what is being said here is that we know the story. We know what Jesus Christ did. The evidence is clear. We have the story written for us. And yet sometimes 
we can't show the faith that those who didn't get to see Jesus Christ fulfill his walk all the way up to Calvary, because sometimes our faith is weaker than those who didn't get to see everything and had to act completely on faith. And so the timeline is kind of spread out here, and we're put on this placement, and it's basically saying that we are people who are truly blessed. We are people born under the covenant of grace. We know the story. We know that Jesus Christ died for us. We know salvation is available for us. We know that eternal life is available for us. We have it. We have the evidence. We have the stories. We have the gospels. You know, they have been, you know, tested throughout history. They have been put to criticism, and the Word of God still stands today. And we should be people of faith who can stand and stand strongly upon the, what is written in the Bible and, and stand in strong faith, all right? But it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven. Very unique language here, okay? Very uni- unique language. I want you to pause for a second. If you've tuned me out, come back in, all right? Get the reception back in. And then um, I was the youngest of the siblings in my house, so I had to be the one who did the rabbit ears, okay? Anybody else have to do that? Anybody else have to do the channel locks on your channel because the thing stripped off? And your dad would say, like, turn the channel. Turn it. You know, you have to stand there the whole time. You going to watch this and that? Okay. So tune in with me real quick, all right? And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, now look at these words, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. What's being said here? This is very unique language. Very forceful language. And here's what's being said. And, and here is why indifference and apathy and just getting comfortable and not really like diving into things and not really keeping your prayer life strong and not really having these one-on-one sessions with Jesus Christ every day like we should. Okay, this is why this is, and these are the words of Jesus Christ. All right, it's like the old story, the husband was saying out late and doing things he shouldn't be doing and the wife was always on him and said, I, I want you to get religion. And so he went down to the church and got saved and started studying his Bible and started going all the time, Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, started teaching classes. And, and uh, you know, she, and she says to him, you know, I want you to get a little religion, not get a whole bunch of religion, okay? And I think some of us, some of us, and, and I'm just going to shoot us straight here today. You got to be honest with yourself. I think some of us want just a little bit of religion, we don't want life-changing, dedication, my blood is filled with passionate kind of religion. Okay, we don't want to be zealots. We don't want, you know, I got a pretty comfortable life going on here. You know, all the way back to the first sermon of this thing. I pay, the page I'm on is pretty comfortable, man. I don't know if I want to turn it or not. And this, these are the words of Jesus Christ. And this is why it's dangerous. This is why getting too comfortable and not getting into things and, and letting your prayer life lack and letting your Bible study lack and letting, you know, your, um, your conversations, your, um, your communion, your daily communion with Jesus Christ fall away. This is why it's very, very dangerous. 
And this is why this very unique language is used by Jesus Christ. He says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And what he is saying there is that the devil is not playing. He's not doing this halfway. He's not wanting to just disrupt your family life a little bit. He wants to totally annihilate your marriage. He wants to totally annihilate your relationship with your kids so that they run off and they do things that you never thought they would do. He doesn't want this church to just suffer financially a little bit. He doesn't want our attendance to be down. He wants us to close this thing up and it to be a daily reminder that he won by every car that passes up and down this highway. That's the game he's playing. He doesn't want to just ruin, you know, just ruin your day or ruin your month or even your year. He wants to ruin it all. He wants to bring you into a spiral. You ever heard the, you ever, it's used a lot in medical terms, circling the drain means you're getting ready to go bye-bye. That's where he wants you, constantly circling the drain. He doesn't want you just to have anxiety. He wants you to be so overcome that you can't make decisions and you can't live. He doesn't want you to just be haunted by past mistakes. He wants you to haunt you at a level to where you'll never speak to anyone about Jesus Christ again because you're constantly asked, who do you think you are? Remember what you did in 1978 or whatever year it was? This is the game that the devil's playing. And when Jesus Christ brings the language, he brings it strongly. Because he needs us to understand what kind of attack we're under. And, you know, when we, when we do this thing like, well, we'll get back to normal eventually, and we'll get these things up and running. Meanwhile, lives are falling apart. Kids are growing up. You know, we... And, and I'm, we, I feel like we did things right last year. I really do. I feel like we didn't have an outbreak here. Nobody got sick or from here and all that, okay? But the devil was, you know, he was giving high fives because there were kids that went through a whole year and, you know, never got the opportunity to come to church or youth group or anything like that. Can you imagine? And then there were things going on. I mean, that's just the kind of game that he is playing, all right? So when we think about, well, I just, you know, I'll just back off a little bit. I really had a bad week. I've really been, you know, working hard. This is the language that Jesus Christ uses because he wants us to wake up and understand what kind of situation we're in, how high the stakes are, and how one little mistake, one little thing can put a foothold for the devil to come in. And, you know, what's the thing? A rat just needs to get its nose in, and then it's the devil is like a rat. All it just needs to do is get his nose in, and he's in. Squeeze his big body through there, and then he's taken over, right? So we got to understand what the, what the Lord is saying here. And he's saying that the attack against us is terrible. But then that second one, that second phrase there, and the violent take it by force. So what's that mean? Well, what it means is that we have to attack it in the same level of intensity and passion that the devil is coming at us with. We have to be all, 
You ever heard the story of the widow mite? Okay, the rich guy gave all, he gave all that money, and then the, the, the widow put her little mite in, and he gave a bunch. He gave 10 times, whatever it was, more than her, but hers was the blessing. Why? Because it was all she had. Do you understand what she was saying when she gave her mite? I'm all in. I will give everything I got. There's nothing I'm holding back. And because she understood the odds, she understood what kind of battle she was in. You know, and I think some of us, and I'm talking to Aaron Phelps here this morning. You're just getting to watch this soliloquy in the mirror or whatever, okay? So what, what we need to ask ourselves, am I all in? Am I really all in? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Or am I receiving a whole bunch of blessings because of the opportunities I've been given in this life? And I'm milking this life for all it's worth. And I'm getting mine and I'm getting my, my blessings. And then I'm just moving on down because I'm really, really comfortable. And I like the way things are going. You have to ask yourself that. Because I'm telling you that if you feel that way, just be prepared because the devil's not going to, you know, he's not just going to leave you alone. But I'm telling you that if we're going to be a church that makes a difference, we got to have some people who are all in. We got to have some people who are ready to serve. We got to have some people who are ready to get a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? I know, I personally know that hosting about 20 youth at your house on a Wednesday night is not ideal. Okay? And, uh, you know, me and Arianne, it, a, a good day, I am laying in bed at 9 p.m. Okay? That's, that's my goal in life. I won't fall asleep by then. Okay? But if I can be laying down at 9 p.m., that's a, that's a successful day. Right? And at, at like 9.50, Javier broke out cards to play some game. <laughs> I was like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> but the kids were laughing, having fun. They were having fellowship, you know, and uh, it was just wonderful. And I know that's not ideal, but, you know, somebody's got to step up and say, you can use my house, right? Vacation Bible school. I get up here every week and beg for volunteers. Church camp, get up and beg for volunteers. Bus drivers. I'm not even going to bring that subject up because half of you won't come back next week. <laughs> All right? It'd be like when, when, I, was a, when I was a teenager, um, they used to make us be, uh, the ushers nowadays are adults. But when we were in the middle church, they made us junior high and high school kids be ushers. And we found out that the preacher at that time, if you walked up and you made eye contact with that preacher, he was going to ask you to bless the offering. We called it the prayer gun. And I remember Doug Miller one time. He got, because the preacher was doing this leading up to his prayer, and he was talking, and it, it was. It was really, it was really uh, you know, it really gathered you in. And, but I, buddy, my head was down like this. And I looked over at Doug, and, and Doug was like, he was into it. And I was kind of like, Doug, don't, 
don't look at him. What are you doing, bud? Put your head down. And Doug was just looking at him like that. And I could see the red thing, you know, like the, what's it called, the, the laser pointer, laser thing. I could see it hitting his eyes. <laughs> and then he said, Brother Doug, would you bless the offering this morning? Doug was like, what happened? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we got to understand what we're doing here. And uh, I mean, the devil's not playing. We need to step our game up and meet it with the same kind of intensity that is required to make a difference. And let's just remind ourselves where we are, where we live. So there's, there's a, I don't know if you know this or not, there's an opioid crisis going on in Saline County. Okay? I told my kids, I was like, I weighed 220 pounds on a light day. Okay? If you think you're going to take some of the pills that I've been prescribed and give you know and think you're going to get a high or something off that then then you're crazy, all right? You don't do not go in my cabinet. I mean, that's just outright crazy, but we got kids pilfering through cabinets, passing it around. And, I mean, and it's it can be deadly. It can be life-changing. All right? And we have got to address some of these situations. And we have families that are falling apart. And we have, you know, opportunities to help people and to preach the Word of God to people. And sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes we get too comfortable and we don't step up to the obligations and to the opportunities that we have. It's called the sin of omission, the sin of indifference. And it makes Jesus want to spit us and vomit us out of his mouth. Okay? For all the prophets and the law prophesies until John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. That was the, out of Malachi. He's, John the Baptist is, is referred to as the, the next Elijah, the next prophet. Okay? He who has ears, let him hear. That's the message to us. If you've got ears, then hear. You know, let's get out of this if you're in it. Okay, this is a great church. We do a lot of great things here. I'm not scolding anybody. It's just my job to remind you of the pitfalls and of the dangers here. And if you're getting into a situation of being lukewarm, of you're passionate in where it is, and you're not serving, you're not being led to serve. Now, that, that's, a dang, that, that's a dangerous place right there as a Christian. If you're not being led to serve, then you need, you need to start having some conversations with Jesus Christ. Because we've talked about this. This is not, a particip- this is not a, an observer sport. It's not something that you observe. This is participation. This is all in. And if you're not being pushed, if you're not being led to serve in some kind of way, then something's wrong. Something's wrong, and we need to address it, and you need to address it and have a conversation with Jesus Christ. And then here's the, here's the truth of the matter. 
But to what shall I liken this generation? This is Jesus Christ talking. It's like children sitting down at the marketplace calling to their companions and saying, well, we played the flute for you. This is kind of talking about marriage. You know, at a wedding, we played music for you at a wedding. And, uh, you know, you weren't, you weren't interested. You didn't dance. And then uh, we went to a funeral with you and we mourned with you. And, you know, you weren't mourning. And, and so what's being said here is that, you know, sometimes it gets hard and you see inactivity and you see emotions not there. And he goes on and says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. John didn't socialize. John the Baptist went out. He was on his own, ate honey, and, you know, they called him crazy. He said he was possessed by demons. And it said, The Son of Man comes, he sits down and eats with, with tax collectors and with sinners. And, and you say that, you know, that he's a friend of the sinner. He's a friend of the tax collector. And just let me say, aren't you glad he's friend of a sinner? I mean, our whole salvation and, and everything's built on that Jesus Christ is a friend to the sinner. Okay? And it says, but wisdom is justified by her children. And what does that mean? If things are healthy... We see fruit, all right? So, Sunday school needs to be important. We need to pray for our Sunday school program, okay? We still have some empty classrooms. We need to build up our Sunday school program to where we have full classrooms. We got to expand because of it, you know, we got problems. We need to pray for our services. We need to pray for, you know, our clothes closet, that's some of the best work that we do. We need to pray for our youth. We have activities going on. We got VBS coming up. We got church camp coming up. We need to be a praying church. And we need to be people who are pushed and who feel the need to serve. Because I'm telling you that if you're in a place where you feel like you are lukewarm, you got to decide that for yourself. All right? You have to have a conversation and you got to decide what place am I in? Am I someone who is not showing any action? Am I lukewarm? What's my spiritual life like? I'm just telling you that if you're lukewarm, if you're dealing with apathy, if you're dealing with things and you're not being pushed to serve, not being pushed to do things driven by the Holy Spirit, it's time to turn the page and move on to a place of passion, to a place of service, and to a place of impact. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142, El Dorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church.